0: And uh, this will be the last message for this series here, Equipped for the Journey. And tonight I, wanna, I want to minister the Word of the Lord under this point of focus, the destination. It was about the sixth hour... And it was dark. The sun should have been shining, but the sun was dying. So it was dark. Jesus, the mediator, the righteous, the lamb, the lion, the branch, the king of kings, and the lord of lords. The light and the suffering servant, the great I am, was moments away from finishing his purpose. He was crucified with thieves. He was dying with the guilty while he himself was innocent. One thief railed on him, but the other knew what Jesus was doing don't you realize who this man is you and I deserve this death we deserve this punishment traditionally it has been taught it was the thief on the right who has been referred to as the the penitent thief All I know is the thief was moments from an eternity without God. But he called out to Jesus. In this moment, the thief met prophet, priest, and king, and savior. Operating as a mediator, Jesus became the bridge. And as king, he had the authority to say who could enter the kingdom. This was the one and only deathbed conversion. There will never be another. It was also the closing of one covenant and the beginning of another. It was the end of a dispensation. I haven't given much thought about the thief, but I think it's powerful that he recognized that he deserved the punishment. I believe the only way someone can truly value grace and mercy is by recognizing that they deserve death. What value is grace and mercy if I feel like I deserve it? I stand here today deserving punishment. I deserve it and the things that I've done and the the wickedness that uh, uh, that I have done in my life, I deserve the punishment. I deserve the death. I was the thief on the side of the cross. Moments from an eternity lost without God. I'm still alive here today. But had I met my maker back when I was lost, I would be in an eternity lost without God. I pray that I never feel like paradise is something that I deserve. The thief he called Jesus Lord and he said remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew what Jesus was accomplishing. This could have been the only time he had to meet this Jesus that he had heard about. Here he is dying beside the Lamb of God. And in one moment the thief's life flashes before him and he understands where he was going. That's lost. And everyone that's listening to, to this message, and anyone in this place right now that's not right with God, I pray that your life flashes before your eyes and you see an eternity lost without God. Maybe this thief he remembered hearing about Jesus and his kingdom and, and the mercy and compassion that Jesus had towards people, towards the lost, towards the sinners, the unrighteous. He had a mercy. He had a way of dealing with people and, and touching their life and then telling them, go and sin no more. We are very much like the thief who deserved death, but Jesus gave us mercy. And Jesus gave him mercy in that moment. We are guilty of all charges and sentenced to an eternity of weeping and gnashing of teeth that's where we were going that's where we were headed until mercy stepped in until grace and mercy stepped in and changed it all <clears throat> Jesus came and he stood in our place and he he t- uh, he tasted for you and I and paid our debt Jesus not only paid our debt listen listen to me right now he gave us a chance he gave us a choice with our destination the two thieves represent two different destinations and what we do on our journey will determine our destination We've been spending time talking about our journey. How much time I spend in my altar and my obedience to the voice of the Lord will determine where I walk in the direction that I head. We have spent some time talking about our journey, but every journey has a destination. I want to talk about heaven a little bit tonight. Because I've been longing for that place. Sometimes I get tired of this whole body. I get tired of the, of the fight. I get tired of the struggle. I get tired of the life uh, and facing temptation and the sin and the mistakes. Uh, I want to go home. I want to go to that place. Anybody longing for that place? Forgive me if I sound a little, a little negative, but, to, but uh, would we really be losing anything if God decided to call our number? I said it tonight. I'm thankful for another day. I love, I love uh, living except for the struggle. for the mess inside that you gotta help you gotta let the Lord help sort it out we set out on this journey because we met Jesus and I'm not turning back don't get me wrong there's temptation to turn around And I think we'd all be liars if we said we never felt that. Come on, how many times have you felt like just giving up and throwing in the towel and saying, I can't do it any longer. I'm tired of the struggle. And then you come to yourself and Jesus is saying, okay, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Because I know that you will change everything. And he did change everything for us. He introduced us to love. To the real meaning of love. And we followed him. Anybody in here following Jesus? What's the value Of redemption to you tonight. What's it worth to you tonight? To know. That God has pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness. And placed you in the kingdom of light. He gave our life meaning and purpose. And made me successful. He made us successful. I may not be successful through the eyes of society, but that's not where my treasure is. There are people in our world who are, they're searching for earthly treasures, playing the lottery, gambling, wanting a job, a career that will well provide them with a big house to fill with earthly treasures. But Jesus conveyed this message found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Where? Upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break in through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. To lay up for yourselves treasures on earth is also to doom yourself to a life of frustration and emptiness. Regarding material things, the secret to happiness is not more, it's contentment. In a 1992 survey, people were asked how much money they would have to make to have the American dream. Those who earned 25,000 or less a year thought they would need around 54,000 dollars. Those in the 100,000 annual income bracket say they, they, uh, they could buy the dream for an average of $192,000 a year. These figures indicate that we typically think we would have to have double our income in order to find a good life. But the apostle Paul had the right idea in First Timothy six and six. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife having faithful First Timothy six and six. <laughs> but godliness with contentment is great, what? Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 25, tell a story here. I think I saved it. Yeah, 17 through 25. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none uh, good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, All these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him. I loved it. This part here. Loved him. And said unto him. One thing thou lackest. Go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great, what? Possessions. He was following the commandments, but he was attached to his stuff. And it's the one thing. And Jesus looked, looked around about and saith unto his disciples, "How hardly shall they have riches? they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God." And the disciples were astonished at this at his words, but Jesus answered again and saith unto them, "Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God?" It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. He was wanting some direction. He was, he was trying to say, look, I've been doing these things. Jesus said, one thing thou lackest, your possessions will keep you from following me. I believe that there are people who have been doing all the right things, but it's the one thing that will cause them to miss it all because it will be the one thing that won't let them follow Jesus because Jesus, to follow him, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross and then follow him. And when you deny yourself, you're saying, I choose you over these earthly treasures. The American dream, the search to be great in this life and the wealth of the world is an empty pursuit. This world is looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They're digging and searching for the buried treasure. But Paul tells us where our treasures are. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. While the world searches uh, for their treasures, we have this treasure. The treasure of God's spirit inside us and the hope of our eternal home. Paul's perspective, which was inspired by God, is that he had a treasure inside that was an investment for the other side. And you see it through Paul's writings. He was more concerned about making it to the end than he was about losing it all. I, I may struggle. I will struggle. Money or no money. Am I happier when I have made more or when I remember who I am living for? Yeah. Philippians chapter 4. In at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. That doesn't mean anything to you unless you know what Paul was dealing with when he found a way to rejoice in the midst of all that he was struggling with. It doesn't matter what we face. We can't let our struggle, we can't let our trouble uh, cause us to just get in the mully grubs and, and refuse to rejoice and, and refuse to worship. well, I'll do it next week when things are going my way, when things are looking on the bright side. No, I'm going to rejoice because I know the treasure I have. Paul admonishes all who would read his words to always be full of joy. To always rejoice in the Lord. In verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Live in a gentle, a, a compassionate way that causes you to be looking for His return. Verse 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Don't worry, pray, thank Him for all that He has done in your life. Verse 7 And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace you receive from doing what Paul was writing to do to be thankful, to not worry. Pray. It will keep your heart and minds guarded in Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on the negative. Think on the trouble. Think on the persecution. Think on the money. Be a negative Nancy. Make everyone at your job mad at you because you're always negative. Walk through this life and complain. One final thing, Paul writes, fix your thoughts on truth. What is honorable, what is right and pure, lovely, admirable. Think about the things that are worthy of praise. I'm not going to think about the negative things. Well, why didn't God do this? I don't know, but I know what he did do. And that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm not going to get hung up on the negative things. I'm not going to be a complainer. If God doesn't do it the way I think he should, he doesn't need to run it past me. I'm going to rejoice anyways. I'm going to give him praise anyways. Why? Because he's been too good to me. I got too many positive things to worship. I got too many positive things to give God glory for. To focus on the negatives. Well, I don't make enough money. It'd do you no good to make more money. You be content with what you have. And I'll tell you what, I'm letting you have it because I had to take it too. So I made it up in my mind, if, it, if I got to receive it, so do you. How many times we're looking for the right opportunity, the right job, but i tell you what promotion does. Promotion brings more responsibility, and more responsibility keeps you out of the will of God, keeps you out of church, keeps you doing things where you become weak, and your, and your thoughts and your mind is racing about the world, and about prosperity, and about the next obligation, instead of about the will of God, and the kingdom of God, and your eternal said in verse 9 those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me you've seen these things in me these aren't something I'm telling you to do where I'm not going to do it myself you've seen me do these things you've seen me rejoice in the middle of hardships you do these and the God of peace shall be with you Keep putting into practice the things you have learned and received from me, what you heard and seen me do. Paul was an example to them. Can I tell you when I went, I began to read this in a different light to this uh, the, the past few days? Verse ten. Twelve, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. For need I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me listen that that phrase is not some cliche thing that we say I can do all things through Christ when you're that is to say in the midst of hardship and in the midst of trouble in the midst of loss guess what I got strength in Christ and I can do it all through him There were people who were concerned about Paul's needs and all that he had lost in the previous chapter. You can find that in uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Verse 10, that I may know him. Doesn't matter what I lose, I just wanna know him. I wanna know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Listen, this the the language in this in this next verse here if by any means I might attain it unto the resurrection of the, I got to I got to pursue it at all cost no matter what it cost me and no matter Paul addresses it by saying, I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them dung that I may win Christ. He said, I've learned to be content with what I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He said, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it's full or empty, plenty or little, I can do all things through Christ. And what the, the secret is to live with contentment with what I have. I'm content with what I have. He's enough for me. I have Jesus. Paul wanted those he was instructing to hold on through the trouble, through the ups and downs of life. Learn to be content with what you have. Don't focus on the negative. There's coming a day that possessions won't matter, that there won't be any suffering, there won't be any sorrow, there won't be any sin. The first century church was looking for the return of the Lord in their day. John 14, verse 1 through 3. Let let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's why I'm on this journey. That scripture wasn't just for the first century church. I'm still waiting. You're still waiting. You're waiting for to go to that place that Jesus prepared for his people. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. I will come again. Were the words the disciples held on to. Paul wasn't with them. But it's something that those who follow Jesus hold as a treasure. Paul said the Lord is coming soon. Since I have been alive, that's what I've heard through the years. The Lord is coming soon. I'm not losing hope. He's coming back again to take us to a city. Revelation 21, verse 10. I want to read this to you uh, from the New Living Translation. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb the angel who walked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city its gates its wall when he measured it he found it was a square as wide as it was long in fact its length and width and height were about 1400 miles Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate. The fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh uh, chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth cryosoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The, twelfth, the twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate with a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon. For the glory of God illuminates the city. And the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light. And the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day. Because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter. no, Nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dece- Honesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life there's a lot of this that we don't understand but what I'm seeing is that there is a beautiful place beyond comprehension that I've got to make sure that I'm in there Paul said, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained it, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, I'm forgetting about every loss, I'm forgetting about every trouble, I'm forgetting about every trial, I'm forgetting about every form of persecution. I'm forgetting about it all. And I'm reaching. I'm reaching forth into those things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in God of Christ Jesus. I'm closing. One thing is certain. The thief who breaks in and steals someone's earthly treasures has the same ending as the rich man who worked his whole life for those treasures. You can't take them with you. The thief who said, remember me, realized in that moment, but the only thing that mattered was the kingdom of God. Everything that he stole. Everything that he stole out of greed, out of gain. Didn't matter because he couldn't take it where he was going. Why wait to the end to realize you can't take it with you? Why don't you just make it up in your mind tonight? I'm willing to lose it all. What if God told you to quit your job and trust Him and that's all He said? Well, God, I don't know if I can do that. Is that the one thing? Is that the one thing? Just being honest here. I'm not saying that's what He's asking you to do. I'm saying, what if? What did the disciples take with them when they followed Jesus? What did he tell them to take when he sent them two by two? What did he tell them to take? Guess what? I'll provide for you, I'll make a way for you. Well, Pastor, you know, they don't tithe in the New Testament. Why should we have to give 10%? They gave 100%. You want to get technical? We'll talk about everything they gave up so they can win Christ. This message hit me because I began to think how often we're looking for the right opportunity and we're looking for the right job security and Jesus is saying, what about me? Are you trying to win me I'll let you struggle all your life if it means you won't get too far the numbers hit me how much do we really need How much do we really need in this life? How much money do we need? How many things do we need? Truly, what what truly? How many cars we need? How many houses we need? How many extra things do we need? I like things. I really do. But do I need them? Especially if it if it if it takes up my time. Can I tell you the pressure is real when I read this book? Anybody else seeing the same things that I'm seeing? Paul was just glad to make it to the end of his day and say, See you to have apprehended but this one thing I'm chasing after that I may apprehend it are you chasing after it today that you may hold on eternal life or have you forgotten the place that he has prepared for us you tonight to evaluate where you stand and make it up in your mind if there's anything worth trading for Jesus. Let's ask the Lord to help us. hunger and thirst for him. I see. You. not so I can see streets of gold so I can see the one who died for me so I can see the one who's been there for me but nobody else was so I can see the one when I was at the bottom he came to me so I can see the one that stood in my place when I was guilty of death he said I'll do it I'll pay it for you because I love you For your love, Jesus. Thank you for your unconditional love. I wish people would get more homesick but they would just keep looking up come on when it gets tough look up when you feel all alone look up you feel like you're drowning look up I too want to have the I want to have the same declaration that Paul did when he said I have fought a good fight I have kept the faith because of that city and the one who is in that city After a year like we've had in 2020, makes me long for that city. There won't be any mask there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll tell you what we will be there. There will be joy. beyond comprehension and a life and eternity with the one who died for me the one who died for you and to lay my eyes on him love and appreciate every one of you. Thank you for your efforts and your your desire to live for the Lord. And uh, we're going to make it to that city as long as we stay where we are, on the path, pursuing Him at all costs. Amen. You are dismissed. We'll see you Sunday.